All right, Sydney, you are good to go. Sweet. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Support Women in Sports. We're really happy that you're listening today. And as always, I will let Lana introduce our guest. Yeah. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode. We appreciate you tuning in. Today's guest is going to be Courtney Ellis, and she is the Senior Manager of Events and Product at the Premier Lacrosse League. Um, so, Courtney, thank you so much for coming on. And if you'd like to introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about your journey in the sports industry so far. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, so, yes, I work for PLL in our event operations department. Um, I started my career with an internship at WWE. So that was kind of my first taste of the sports and events industry. And I thought all of the excitement behind the stage and behind the scenes was really um, intriguing to me and cool to see that um, the fans don't see what's going on behind the scenes, right? But the, the, um, all the chaos in the operations team is planning everything for a flawless product on stage. So um, from that internship, I knew that I wanted to be in sports and events. I, after graduation from Ithaca College, I started working for Octagon Sports, where I dipped my toes really in the first kind of corporate setting for events. I worked on the BMW team and got to drive uh, BMW 4 Series around the country. So that was pretty fun. Um, and got to you know, get nitty gritty with the admin work there. Um, and then popped over to Tough Mudder where I got the bulk of my event experience where I was there for a little over four years. And I say I grew up there personally and professionally. That's really where I learned a lot in my career um, in terms of how to manage an event, how to manage emergencies, how to manage vendor relationships, venue relationships, and uh, manage a team. So just really, really a ton of experience there at Tough Mudder and a very unique product, I think, in my mind, um, which is extreme obstacle courses. So a little different than the typical sport, uh, but it is still in like the entertainment and fitness industry. And then from Tough Mudder, um, I have now gotten the job at Premier Lacrosse League in our event operations department, as I said, and we are going into our third season at PLL here and uh, really excited with how successful we've been thus far as a startup professional sports league and looking to continue our success. That's awesome. I guess like a quick question with lacrosse, like why were you drawn to the Premier Lacrosse League? Like, do you have lacrosse experience in the past or was it just kind of something new that you wanted to be a part of? Good question. I do not have lacrosse experience. I, that was not a sport I played. Athletics was always kind of a part of my life. I mean, it definitely was. I played softball and basketball. I like skiing. I like hiking, but cross was not in my repertoire of sports. But I first heard of the PLL uh, when it was just a concept before they had launched the league. And I thought it was really interesting that they were taking, creating a sports league that was going to be tour based. And right with, with those keywords, I knew I had the experience to work there and be part of something that is tour based because that's exactly what Tough Mudder was. Um, we toured around the US and, and in Canada. 
um, building events and tearing them down. And that's what kind of PLL was looking to do. They, they do have the stadium infrastructure that they're going into rather than just a, an empty cow field that you have to build obstacles in. Um, but yeah, I, I thought PLL, the fact that it was tour-based, the fact that it was a startup sports league, man, like what an opportunity to, to try to be a part of. So that's what really drew me there. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, obviously to see it like from start, like from the rare beginning and, and now where it's been um, today. So I know that the, in, like the agency world isn't something that a lot of people, I think, like think about when they think about working in sports, like it's always the leagues, the teams, you know, kind of like that athlete um, and fan experience for you working at Octagon. How do you feel that set you up for your success at um, Tough Mudder and at the PLL now? It was definitely a good experience to start with because it was it was definitely a, an entry level role. Um, like I said, I was doing sort of admin work there and the nitty gritty stuff that nobody really wants to do, but you have to do it. You can't just jump right in and, and get a director role, right? Like you have to start somewhere. Um, and I think it was really good to start off in that corporate setting because I realized that's not where I wanted to be long term. Uh, and that's fine. Like, I, if you want to be in that setting, that's great. There's a lot of uh, probably sec- job security there. There's a clear hierarchy. Um, but I wanted something a little bit more fast paced, I think. And so that's what kind of drew my, my uh, interest to startups and smaller companies. And another piece was that. I was, like I said, I was working on the BMW team and I felt all of my energy and work product was going towards a client's goal rather than the, you know, the company that you work for and, and they're the, on the property side, your, your own goal. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Like I didn't even, like I would have never even thought about it. The PLL did the bubble season, obviously, just like the NBA did, NWSL, WNBA, all things like that. And it was something that no one in the sports industry had done before, um, clearly. So for you, what was it like planning the PLL bubble season? Obviously, like you said, you're going to the third season. So you're, not only are you like this new league, but also like here's this whole new scenario and the pandemic and everything. So for you, what was it like to plan that and, and have to execute it? It was a curveball for sure. I think we we all got thrown a curveball right in, in our personal lives and uh, the sports industry specifically when March Madness was canceled in, in mid-March. Um, that's when we really realized like, oh shoot, this is going to affect everyone in a big way. This is going to affect our industry in a huge way because um, we need to be safe. So we had a full 2020 regular season planned at that point. We were ready to go. We were selling tickets. Um, and we had to pivot from that and start planning the bubble. And I, I mean, the bubble concept was one of 10 different concepts that we could have gone with. And I, I'm glad we went with it because it was the safest route and it, it did turn out to be very successful for us. Um, but we had to plan it within two months of starting it. And being at a startup league, we do have lean teams. So we were just all working, you know, day and night to make sure this thing went off without a hitch, to make sure it was safe for our players and staff. 
I mean, securing the venue itself was took a, a month or more to even do that. And that's a really fast timeline for securing a venue. Typically, it's, it's months and months of conversation and contract negotiations. Um, so I'd say overall, it was a big challenge for us. We had to uh, you know, think outside the box. We were doing everything for the very first time. There was no plan or protocol we could follow. We were creating the protocol, right? Um, so uh, it was a big challenge, but we're very, very happy with how it went. Yeah, like logistically, obviously, like you had people in the bubble. Did you guys have people coming in and out? Like I know different teams kind of had people coming in and out and other people were just in it the whole time. So like, how did you guys kind of deal with that and all? Yeah, like compared to the NBA having, having yeah. families come in. and Yeah, so we had a very closed bubble compared okay. to other leagues. We uh, set our head count to not exceed 300. And our, our exact count, I think I told you, Alana, was 275. And that includes players, coaches, PLL staff, and our NBC broadcast staff. And that was it. Once you were in, you were in. Um, and that, you know, we didn't have any newcomers. We didn't have people coming and going. It was, uh, we had to be as safe as possible where we had a, a testing process prior. Um, you had to test negative before you could come into the bubble. And we had tests throughout the time that we were there. But no, we, we, even tested, you know, uh, venue staff that we were interacting with. So we, we really wanted to cover all of our bases and not take any chances there. Yeah, no, I think that's really smart. I'm just like, it's interesting to see like how sporting events are shifting. So like the world series, for example, there were fans in the stands and it was a little bit more of an open event. And like, for me, I contract out for party planners West and they do Super Bowl experience every year. So like, Currently, we're kind of negotiating like how that's going to look and play a role. And I do a lot of fan experience things. So how we're going to make it as safe as possible while still having fans and social distance. And obviously, the NFL still has a lot of decisions to make. But it's just interesting to see how like you guys were one of the first. and I was very closed off. And I feel like the NBA kind of loosened up a little bit. And like now we're at the World Series. And like I would say the World Series was a pretty loose event when it in terms of socially distance and, and all of that so it's interesting to see how cases continue to increase and how all these things are like opening up still because like people want sports and like the product is there and teams and leagues are taking a hit like financially so it's just interesting to see how everybody is doing it differently for sure yeah and we're all kind of watching day by day right like what how much can we push it, but still be safe? How can we still have a positive and fun fan experience, but still be safe and not exactly. um, have any issues? So I think that's something we're thinking about every day here. And how can we, how's 2021 going to look? No one really knows, but we will adapt. And we know that we can adapt because we, we successfully did it with planning and executing the bubble. How are the PLL using their platform and like their creation of the league to, I guess, increase lacrosse awareness and just like the sport in general. I feel like, you know, when we think of sports, it's 
basketball, soccer, football. That's kind of about it, right? Like it's like always like those are the top three and the ones that you always play as a kid. So how do you see PLL trying to infiltrate that area to continue growing the sport of lacrosse? Yeah, our, our academy business is doing very well or has done throughout um, its time. And it's our academy business was actually around before the Premier Lacrosse League itself. It was under a different name and we, we uh, rebranded it to be under Premier Lacrosse League. So I think um, personally, in, in my opinion, I think lacrosse is a great alternative for uh, as a sport that's a little less of high contact when you compare it to football. Um, I know there are different seasons, but I think it, it might be like kind of a, a more approachable sport with, you know, potentially parents or kids worried about concussions or, um, you know, how that affects them long-term. So uh, from a personal side, I, that's, that's how, kind of how I view it. And we're doing all we can on the league side to expand um, awareness of the sport and our footprint geographically with our PLL Academy events, as well as our Premier Lacrosse League game weekends. Um, we know, that, yes, it's popular. Lacrosse is popular in the Northeast on the East Coast, but we really um, focus on what are those new emerging markets that will become lacrosse hotbeds? How can we bring the sport there? How can we create an exciting event weekend that's, you know, there's more to it than just lacrosse games. We have a fan festival called the Premier Zone. Then we tack on a youth clinic and camp run by the professional uh, lacrosse players that you just saw in the field. You can sign up for a camp um, on the Monday after the weekend to then be coached by them. So I think we try to really make it an immersive experience. And um, just the fact that I think our league is so innovative, it's something new and exciting for, for kids to watch and participate in. And hopefully they pick up a lacrosse stick and uh, start to love the sport. Yeah, I think the Premier Lacrosse League has done an excellent job with connecting with the Gen Z audience for sure. Their content on social, I think, is really like personable and they have a lot of loud names and voices. And I think that's been awesome. And I live in the Midwest and seeing how much lacrosse has grown within really like the past five years has been really interesting to see too, um, from my perspective. Like living up, I was in Minnesota for the past three years. And seeing the correlation between hockey and lacrosse, I've always found really interesting. And like one of my little cousins, she lives in like a Chicago suburb and she's super into lacrosse. So it's kind of funny to see like how quickly it's growing. Because when I was growing up, I always just played soccer. Like lacrosse was not a thing. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really a, a thing for me either. A bunch of my friends play it. I grew up in Connecticut, so it's, it's really popular there. But um I would like to think if I were to go back and be in middle school or high school, I'd try to pick up a stick. I've tried to take a couple shots and it's really, it's really messy um, now, but if I could learn it when I was younger, I think I would. Yeah, no, same. It looks really fun. Yeah. I've seen like the ASU, like lacrosse team, the women's, cause that's where I went to school. Like I've seen like their promo videos and like what they do with the stick. And I'm like, I could never but this looks great, but like, I don't think I could, but you, you do it. And like, you do, you look really well doing it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting sport to like watch it and see it grow for sure. Yeah. So much skill. And, and they, I ask my, my friends and colleagues who grew up playing the sport, like, okay, 
how how good are, are our athletes on the field? You know, just kind of a, a casual comment. I know we have the best players in the world, but I just like in terms of skill level, like how how big is that gap from um, our league compared to other leagues or even compared to the college level level? And they say like, you know, this is top notch skill and competition. Uh, it's super fast paced. We adjusted our shot clock time to be shorter. So it makes the game and the transitions more fast paced. So we're really, um, you know, trying to engage people in the sport, whether they're a new fan or an existing lacrosse player. Yeah. That's really cool that you guys get to like, kind of pick your own rules, I guess, in a way. Like, I feel like the MLB is like right now trying to like the past few years has been trying to infiltrate, like, you know, more exciting and different rules kind of to go about that. So it's cool to hear that you guys were able to do that at the beginning um, to make it more interesting. But in terms of the league, what are like some goals that you have or that you hope to see like PLL in the next five years or 10 years um, from like a fan perspective or just to see like maybe the amount of teams you have to participate, grow and and kind of in, in that way? Yeah, I, I really like our tour-based model. I don't know if I'm biased because I love putting on events all over the country. Um, but I, I know, you know, other leagues have franchises in, in cities. Um, that, that's not what we're doing right now. Um, so I, I think in terms of my hopes and dreams for the league, I, I want to continue to go to new cities. And like I said, grow the game out west, grow the game in the south. And and the the youth programs all over the country are already doing a great job of that. But us PLL having an event in those cities re- reinforces like, yes, this is a this is a place for professional lacrosse kids. If you like playing lacrosse, you can have a career in lacrosse. Uh, there's something to look forward to. So. Uh, I would like to continue to go to new cities, new stadiums, and I, you know, hopes and dreams of selling out every single stadium that we go to. That would be like the ultimate um, success for for a regular season for, in my eyes, as an event planner. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I had another question too. Like events is a very demanding industry, and everything is so fast-paced and you've worked so many different events and different areas and stuff like that have you experienced like any challenges like being a woman in events or just like a woman in sports or has it been pretty good so far yeah there are certainly challenges um it it's a male-dominated industry for sure but pll has done a great job of promoting women in the company. Um, we have a women in sports webinar that we have a speaker for every, every month or every other month. And um, we, we make sure that we are focused on diversity when we are um, evaluating and hiring candidates for any new roles. But um, personally, yeah, I, you know, there are times where I've been in situations with male colleagues and we meet an external party and the, the external party would be a male and they would shake the hands of the men that I'm standing next to, but they wouldn't shake my hand. Um, but, you know, I have learned over time that I then need to introduce myself and stick my hand out. So it's, it's not just like, 
okay, I expect them to shake my hand and treat me as an equal, which they should. But if they don't, like own own your presence, own your your role. Uh, you know, being there in the meeting, holding a, a position in the, the company or the league that you do, and and introduce yourself confidently and strongly, and show them that you're just as much as a, a conversation. Excuse me, just as much a part of the conversation as any of the other people there. Yeah, I love that advice. Like own your role. That's huge. That definitely is. Uh something I'm going to start keeping in the back of my head. So mm-hmm. for sure. And one more little example on that is um, there have been times where I have taken the back seat, right? Like, so if you're in a meeting room, I have taken a seat and, and pulled it to the back of the room or to the side, not sitting at the table. And so I'm already physically taking myself out of, of focus of the meeting, right? Even if I am just taking notes, fine, I don't have much to contribute or I don't think I do, you're, you're physically setting yourself apart already. But you were invited to that meeting for a reason. So sit at the table, make sure you introduce yourself. And if you have a question or, or something to add to the conversation, make sure you speak up. If you don't, if you're just sitting there taking notes, that's fine. But make sure that you are a part of that group. Yeah, I think that's so important. Like a lot of people talk about owning your space and, and really like having a sit at the table. Like that's what it's all about. And I think Sydney has touched on it a few times. Like it's not only like there's a limited seat amount of seats at the table, but then it's like there's even a more like limited amount of seats at the table for women. And it's like definitely important to like own it. And and like you said, yeah, like make sure like your presence is known because like you were there for a reason and, and make sure that you're you know, you contribute or you, you ask questions if you feel like you should or want to, for sure. Yeah, it's something um, like, kinda, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you go, no. I was just you gonna go. say, like, it's something too, like, it. it's hard to do sometimes, right? And I think you have to kind of have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and, like, sitting up and standing up and, and getting yourself out there. It's something I definitely had to learn throughout my career. And I'm still learning and, and pushing myself today. Yeah, no, it's, it's very uncomfortable at times, especially if you're in an entry-level position um, or you don't know the people that you're meeting, you're meeting them for the first time. Like, it, it, it's very uncomfortable. And I know there's a phrase, fake it till you make it, right? But um, I think if you for if you nail your introduction, right? It's such a simple piece. You can be like, oh, hi, I'm Courtney. Yeah, I work in events at PLL. No, hi, I'm Courtney Ellis. I'm the senior manager of events and product for the PLL. Just, just that simple phrase. If that's the only time you talk in the meeting, people will, you know, probably listen to you and hear you rather than, like, oh, yeah, she's okay. She's talking quietly. She doesn't really, maybe she's not a part of the meeting. You're already getting that, um, you know, kind of, people are getting the perspective that you might not be important. So state, state your role, state your name, and, and um, hopefully you get some respect right off the bat there. Yeah. I feel like that's really good advice. Cause like, I feel like even a lot of people talk about like your elevator pitch and then you try to like, you know, do it really well. But even then I feel like sometimes when you introduce yourself to other people, you're like, Oh yeah, I do this and this and like, whatever, like very, very shy. You're like, oh yeah, that's just like what I do, but it's never like, you know, to direct and like to the point. So that's definitely, I feel like for me personally, like really good advice, like moving forward to make sure you, you have your intro down so that people hear you is really important for sure. 
So I know that we, you and I, and I heard it at the webinar series, shout out to PLL Women in Sports webinar series. I love that. A lot of people, like anyone who listens needs to sign up for the emails because I've done the last two and, and I've really enjoyed them. But I've heard you talk a lot about how you were denied from a couple roles and, you know, it was all about perseverance and, and taking a step back and taking the time to learn what you felt you were missing and going back to it. So kind of like for that, what was your experience in the sports industry and kind of dealing with those declined and like, you know, sorry, regret with another candidate kind of emails that a lot of people, you know, have to go through it and don't really know what to do kind of after that they should reapply or not. Um, I think if you are passionate about the role or the company, don't give up, be persistent. So just a, a couple examples from my career, Tough Mudder, I applied right out of college. I, I had run a Tough Mudder obstacle course and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Wow, I get to work and create these huge obstacle courses for thousands of people in the mud. Awesome. Um, so I, I applied and they gave me feedback that I did not have enough experience. And they specifically said event experience. We need people who, who have experience in the event industry. So I, that's when I went and got the, the job at Octagon. And I, they were hiring straight entry level. And I'm very grateful that they, they took me on and, and really helped me gain my very first event experience. And um, after... Uh, about a little less than a year at Octagon, I went back to Tough Mudder and I saw that they were again hiring for a similar position I had originally applied for. And I said, hey, I'm back. Like, remember me? <laughs> I, I'm still interested. Um, you know, I, I got the event experience that you asked for, that, that you wanted to see on my resume. And they uh, applauded me uh, for going and actually doing what they asked and continuing to, to come back and be persistent and show my growth. So um, that was was one time where I was persistent. And then again with PLL, um, I had spoken with someone in the league before the, they officially launched. And they were hiring for a role that it just wasn't the right fit at the right time. But I kept watching PLL, you know, kept in touch with um, the person I spoke with in the league. And was watching them in the news. And once the league launched, I reached back out and said, hey, congratulations. I would still love to be a part of the league in any way if you're hiring. And that kind of opened the, reopened the door for a conversation. And it was, it was uh, I landed in a role that was the right fit. So I think it's really important to be persistent if you are passionate about where, you know, where you want to work. If it's, if you're not sure, like, that's fine. Maybe there's another role that's, that's a better fit for you. Yeah. I'm like, so glad that you, you mentioned that. And so currently like my job, I'm a, I'm a social media manager at Open Doors and in college, I had done a bunch of projects on them. Right. And I was like, my kind of like ideal plan is like, I'm going to go work for like a pro team for like maybe two or three years. I'm going to try to like get a job at Open Doors. So when I graduated school right away, if this was back in May, uh, I got an intern, like a postgrad internship at the Indianapolis Colts. I was like, perfect, like perfect fit, right? But due to COVID, like position got eliminated and all this stuff. But previously, like as I was graduating, I had contacted the current CEO of Open Doors. And I think it's 
I, him and I were chatting. And I think that's the importance too, of keeping those conversations going for like a while. Like it can be awkward to keep in touch, I guess. Like it's really easy to send somebody a message on Twitter or LinkedIn, but it's really difficult to keep that interaction going. So I think like both of our stories can kind of show that keeping in touch and keeping that momentum going with something that you're really passionate about or a person that you want to get to know better really goes a long way because obviously a position opened up and I had made connections and now I'm like sitting with my dream job. So I think like, especially for younger kids, like I'll get messages where it's like, oh, hey, I don't know, can we talk? And it's like, yeah, sure. And then I, I don't hear anything after. So it's so important to to keep in touch. And I think the, like, the older I get into my career is I realize the importance of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm so glad you got your dream yeah. job. That's amazing. And it's been a fun two I think months. One... Yeah. Get... Oh, wow. Two Almost. months. Almost. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going off of that. Oh, no, go ahead, Courtney. Oh, no. Sorry. You go ahead. Oh, I was just going to gonna say off of kind of keeping in touch. One thing I learned um, when keeping in touch or reaching out to, to contacts, I have found that you get a better response if you write an email with an update, right? You're like, hey, uh, checking back in. I have uh, participated in this event or volunteered here and got this experience. So you're, you're providing an update for your contact if you're, if you're still looking for a job there, rather than just saying like, hey, like checking back in, are you still hiring? Um, give them a reason kind of to, to look at you a bit longer, right? Um, and look at your resume again. Or if there's some news about the company or the league, say, hey, I, I saw this article. That's great. Congratulations. And maybe some, some comments or your thoughts on the article. So I guess make sure you have a purpose when you are reaching out. I think that's been helpful for me in, in my experience. Yeah, 100%. I think like having as making it as personal as you can definitely goes a long way. Um, instead of just like, Hey, are you hiring? Like that's not going to go anywhere. So for sure. (laughs) Alana, go ahead. Um, I was just going to ask, I know that it can be awkward. I feel like to when people like decline you from a job, they're like, let's make sure to keep in touch. Right. But then I also feel like you don't know how to then keep in touch after because it's like, well, like, do you mean that? Are you just saying it because you're trying to be nice? So for you, if that's something that you felt like, how were you able to overcome that with the Tough Mudder and with people at the PLL? Like, how were you able to take take away from the, oh, I don't know if they said this just to be nice, but I still want to work there. Like, how were you able to approach them after the fact, I guess? Yeah, two things. I have learned to ask for feedback. So if I'm declined, I say, thank you for letting me know. Is there any feedback that you can give me so I can improve my interviews in the future or, you know, eventually apply for another position at your company? Sometimes they don't answer. Sometimes they do. And I want them to be honest, right? I want them, it might be kind of like uh, difficult to, to hear sometimes, but um, you want the honesty so you can improve. So feedback is number one. And then number two, someone in my, uh, at a past job at Octagon told me like, 
make sure you have a, a point when in your email, when you're reaching out. So it, it wasn't like uh, I came to that realization by myself. It was a good friend at Octagon and, um, you know, you just have to do it. I, I don't know. It's, it's going to get you further than, than just a general check-in. So um, someone gave me that advice. I listened to it and it's worked out fairly well. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It's always like so awkward sometimes too, like asking that why. It's like, okay, why? And like sometimes like it's awkward too when they don't necessarily have like a clear answer. So it's like, I guess like another question too, I feel like this is something very common that we've talked about before is both like burnout and imposter syndrome. And like, do you ever find times where you're just experiencing either both or just like really hard on yourself? For sure. For sure. Um, I am a perfectionist. I will not <laughs> lie about that. Um, and so, so I always welcome feedback. Um, and sometimes you have to ask for it. And sometimes it comes when you don't ask for it. And either time, um, sure, it might sting a little bit at first, but it just always look at it as an opportunity to grow. And, you know, an opportunity to take that next step in your career as a promotion or personal growth, whatever it may be. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I think like having a growth mindset is extremely important. Yeah. And it's something that people like have to learn. If they, In my opinion, like having a growth mindset has probably been like one of the best things that I've learned, like while working in sports and like trying to like go into it more. And I think it's something that everybody needs to learn if they want to succeed in this industry. But I was just curious. I know like events is very um, perfectionistic and like everything has to go right. And there's so much chaos going on. Like, so just as like a little bit of background, like I've worked the past three Super Bowls in a, a fan doing all the fan experience stuff as a, a zone manager. And it's just insane like awesome. how much craziness events has and it's just like you're walking and like something will happen and you're like oh well, good thing I have a roll of like tape on me and can tape down this floor that's peeling up real quick or somebody yes. loses their kid and you have to like deal with that situation so like it's crazy because like events it's so fast-paced but like for me it's really refreshing because it's like quick decision making like you're not yep. that's what I love about events yeah, too. You're, you're working on your feet, you're talking to people. Exactly. Yeah. I love your like example. you don't have time to dwell on something in the present. It's like maybe two weeks after the event, you'll be like, oh, that could have gone better then because of this, you know, like because you don't have really time to uh think and reflect sometimes in the moment. That's such a good point. Maybe that's why I like <laughs> events, because you just have to act, yeah. right? And whereas we, we certainly have a, a planning phase in, in office leading up to it. You're, you're totally right. There's like so much time to think, oh, is this the right decision? Is this perfect? Is this a perfect way to present this idea? Um, whereas on the ground, you just have to make it work. Like sometimes within seconds, sometimes it's an emergency and you have to get it done. So yeah, great point. Yeah. It's like instincts almost. Like that's how I describe yep. it. It's like you're just like instinctive. Mm -hmm. yeah events are the best I just love events anyways but yeah Same. but um anyways um Courtney I guess like this is 
still on topic, but a little bit like off to the side. Do you see PLL women's maybe like totally like 10 years, maybe, but do you think like that's something that you would want to like work on and think that's something that the league could, I guess, like add on eventually? Yeah, eventually. Absolutely. In the future, that's again, any way we can grow the sport. We're always looking for, for new ways to do that. And um, we did partner with WPLL in the past. Um, so I, I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll have opportunities where we can um, partner and help grow the women's side as well. And I would love to see that. Um, I, again, Rachel Jacheco, I, I, she's a huge proponent of, of that and, and bringing, um, promoting the, the women's side in our company. And, and it, all of us are, but she's, she's really the, the lead there. She does a great job. Yeah. That's great. I think it a really rapidly growing sport and it will be awesome to see it grow like on the women's side as well. So. Absolutely. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. I know that I learned, you know, a lot about PLL. Like I, I'm from Arizona. So like lacrosse is like, so over my head. Like, I'm just like, Oh, like, what is that? Um, but ASU has now like a growing team, which is great. Um, and yeah, like you said, I can't wait to see it grow and see you guys come to the Southwest. I think it would be awesome. But yeah, thank you so yes. much. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you. This was great. <laughs>